Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here. We are so very glad to see each and every one of you here this morning on this Mother's Day. Um, this morning we're start, we're starting, uh, I don't know who that was that was whistling, but that is funny. Uh, today we're starting a new series, Giving Up on Perfect. Um, and I'll just be honest that this series came out of sort of a wrestling that Chris and I have been have been doing. We've been expecting so much in our lives to be perfect, right? We have these expectations built in our head of how everything around us can be perfect, and we're missing out on the excellent things that God is doing in our church and in our lives and all around us because we, mainly me, I just need everything to be so perfect. And so um, over the last couple of weeks, we, we just really felt called to, to wrestle with that with you all um, and help to see what it is that God might be inviting us into as we give up on some of those perfect expectations that we had. So um, three weeks ago, I think it was three weeks, Easter was three weeks ago now, I think. Um, it all blends together after a while. Um, but three weeks ago, we had a great Easter service here at Horizon. It was a wonderful day. We, were, we had tons of people here. The music was great. It was just a really good day. And as soon as Chris and I got home, we're standing in our kitchen, and we're going back and forth about what things we need to do better. Like, I need to do this in the message better. We should work on this with hospitality. I need to print this out. I need to make sure this slide is right. And we're, go we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And my phone gets a text message, and it said, it's from one of our band members, and he said he's not here this morning. Usually, He's the guy who plays 12 instruments, if you're here. Um, on other uh, Sundays, he plays the keyboard and all kinds of different things. But he sends us a text message that says, great job today, team. It was a great day. And I immediately texted him back and said, thank you for saying that, but we're already working on what we're going to do better for next Sunday. And he texts me back immediately and says, don't let perfect get in the way of excellence. Zing. I took a deep breath. <laughs> yep. I took a deep breath, and I realized that that was a, that was a truth that I needed to hear, right? I had all these perfect scenarios built up in my head, and I missed the excellent things that God was doing on Easter Sunday through our church. People were pumped up and excited to give to BT Washington. Someone made 70 lanyards to give to the teachers. People signed up to bring lunch um, to, the, to the folks at BT Washington and then came again Friday to help give lunch here. Folks were fired up to share the love of God, and I missed all of the ways that God was working in our lives because I was so worried about all the details being just perfect. God spoke to me right through that text message. Erica, don't let perfect get in the way of excellence. Two years ago, Chris and I got a call from the person who's now our boss. Um, they asked us if we'd be interested in starting a new church here in South Tampa. And Chris and I prayed about it, but we had three rules, three expectations before we would say yes to starting a new church. The first one is that it would offer us an opportunity to be closer to one of our families. So South Tampa, we live a mile from Chris's parents right now. That was checked, that, that expectation was met. The second expectation, we had prayed and prayed and prayed and we felt like God was really asking us to be a part of a church that was helping folks who felt disconnected from God or the church connect to God and find hope healing and wholeness. So we wanted a church that was going to be really passionate about helping others um, connect to connect to the church. And then the third thing is we wanted it to be connected to an established church. So I had church planted before and we said if they ask us to do something new, we really want it to be connected to um, an established church. And so our boss goes through the scenario and it's not connected to an established church. 
And so Chris and I get off the phone. We promised to pray about it. And I told him, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do, Chris. And so we, we called one of my mentors, and she prayed for me. And a couple hours later, she called me back, and she said, Erica, I feel like the reason that you're not saying yes to this is because it's not this perfect thing that you've dreamed up in your head. What if God is inviting you into something more excellent? I'm not kidding. That's what she said. Zing again, right? Every, like, we are raising our babies miles from their grandparents. This would have never happened without us getting a call to start this church. We're watching folks who feel disconnected from God and the church find hope, find healing, shine light, ignite change, and we are excited about it. And this would have never happened if I would have had all these perfect scenarios met in my, in my life. Twelve years ago, Teeny Davidson is an older woman who moved to British Columbia. She lives in a small neighborhood in British Columbia. Her and her husband sat on their porch every single day and waved to students as they went to and from school. They said hi and bye, and they waved to the students every day. Five years after that, Teeny's husband died. And Teeny couldn't decide whether she wanted to sit on that porch and wave at the, at the folks who went by by herself anymore. She said, this is just not perfect. I wanted to grow up. I wanted, to, I wanted my husband to grow old on this porch with me. I wanted to sit with him for a very long time. I just don't know if I can keep doing this. But she said she let go of that perfect scenario in her head, and she sat down on the porch every, every morning and every afternoon, and she waved to the students anyway and told them to have a good day. This week, some of the students started stopping by on their way home from school, and she liked having cookies and stuff. So they started building a relationship with her. This very week, um, Miss Teeny Davidson was moved into an assisted living home, and the students gave her an excellent goodbye. We'll have that um, slide up there in just a minute. But they, they had signs and stuff for her as she went away, and they have promised to go and visit her in the hospital. If she would have had up this perfect idea in her head, right, if, if she would have never sat on her porch again and waved at those students, she would have never been able to experience the excellent love that those high school students have been giving her. 25 years ago, a little eight-year-old red-headed girl named Erica looked at her single mom in the face and said, Mom, why didn't you come to that mom's breakfast at school this morning? And my mom said, because I had no sick days left. My sister and I had had a bad year, and she'd used all of her sick days for the year caring for me and my sister, and she couldn't take off that morning to be at the mom's appreciation breakfast. And I told her, I said, Mom, you were the only mom that wasn't there. That wasn't true. There were lots of moms who weren't there. And I'll never forget that she took both my hands and she squatted down and she said, Erica, I'm never going to be a perfect mom. I'm never going to be able to be at everything. But I promise you, I will try to be the very best mom I can be. And then she asked me a very important question. She said, who all was there to love you? And I started naming my teachers and the custodian had come in and sat beside me for breakfast and we talked and laughed as we drank orange juice and I told her about that and she said see Erica so many people love you if I would have been there you would have missed that opportunity and now 25 years later I sit and hold my own children in my arms and I recognize I'm not going to be a perfect mom and I tell them that as they drift off to sleep I'm not going to be perfect but I'll be the very best and when we we work so hard to meet all these perfect expectations we miss all these excellent moments along the way that God is giving to us. About 2,000 years ago, two leaders in the Christian movement, they're just getting this Christian movement started, 
and they find themselves in a rather impossible situation. They had in their minds what they wanted it to look like to start this new movement of Jesus. They wanted it to be perfect. They wanted Jesus to have fixed everything so they could just live happily ever after, and they find themselves in a different situation. Nothing around them is perfect, right? Anybody here uh, feel like life is like that? Like, I, I just want one thing to go well, and instead I'm sitting at a table and I look around and nothing in my life is perfect or the way that I thought it would be. And so these guys are called in by the ruler of the, the institution of the, of the religion for the day, and they're, they're sitting at the table, and they look at these two leaders who are just starting this Christian movement, and they say to them, hey guys, we understand y'all really loved this Jesus guy, and you think something amazing's happening, but could you stop teaching in his name? Could you just stop teaching in his name? And, and like so many of us, right, when we, when we realize that what they're asking us, what people above us or our superiors are asking us to do, our intention with what we are, like nothing around us is perfect, but maybe God has something excellent for them. Let me read this story of what happened. It's in Acts 5, 27 through 32. The apostles were brought in and they were made to appear before the Sanhedrin, the, the rulers of the day, to be questioned by the high priest. They said, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. He, he, it, that's what the ruler said. He said, yet you have filled Jesus with your teaching. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to all those who obey him. When faced with the toughest decision of their lives to actually continue to commit their lives to this guy, Jesus, that they followed all over the place and they absolutely, absolutely believe in, they, they face this moment where they can follow the perfect orders of the people above them, where they can work to, to bring about the movement of Jesus that they felt so deeply a part of and called to be a part of, and they looked at their bosses and they said, we must obey God rather than human beings. These aren't renegade rebels. They're not crazy folks, guys. They're just like me and you, trying their best. And they looked at their, they looked at their bosses and they said, sorry, but we must obey God rather than human beings. Thousands of years before this even happened, thousands of years before this in Exodus, the Exodus story starts out with a story of two women who were midwives. They were people who helped babies to be born. And these two wives were, these two midwives um, were supposed to help the Hebrew women with, with their births. And the boss, the king of Egypt, told them to let some of the babies live. If they're girls, they can live. If they're boys, don't let them live. And these women, again, are sitting at the table looking at their boss, and they feel conflicted. They're like, this doesn't sound like the God that we, like, this doesn't sound like what God actually wants us to do. This doesn't, these, these things aren't perfect. Nothing's working out like we thought it would. And so they decided to choose something a little more excellent. Let me read you this story. It's from Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Puah, when you are helping the Hebrew women, women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. 
And then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why did you let the boys live? And and the midwives answered Pharaoh, and they said, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're vigorous, and they give birth before the midwives, even before we can even get to them. And then God treated the midwives well, and the people, the Hebrew people, kept on multiplying, and they became very strong. The struggle of letting go of our perfect expectations and being open to God's excellent plan for our lives has always been a struggle for the people of God. If right now you feel this tension of of wanting things to be perfect so you can follow God and do what God says, but, but you feel like you live in a world where you just don't even know what's next, this has always been the struggle of the people of God. Do we follow our perfect plan, stay in our perfectly safe places, follow the orders perfectly of the people above us, live picture-perfect lives, or do we try to let go of that and embrace the excellent things that God may have for us? Today, right now, I believe the same thing that those folks were wrestling with, the same question that God was asking them deep in their spirit, the same question that was asked of Peter and the apostles and that was asked of those midwives, I think it's the same question we're being asked Today, Can you let go of your perfect expectations for something more excellent that God may have for you? I think we first, I think in order to start to understand what God's excellent invitation for us is, I think we first have to understand some of the messages that we hear. They're not very different from the messages that folks heard 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. The messages stay the same. They're, they're very similar. The first message is do what is expected. And here's the deal. This message isn't bad, right? It's, it's, I tell my two-year-old this. I'll be honest. Like, just do what I expect you to do because it keeps order, right? It, it keeps things from, stay, from being so chaotic. But sometimes doing what is expected by someone who's our superior or even the things we start telling ourselves, like the self-messages we start sending ourselves, these things don't allow us to experience the excellent things that God has for us. It causes us to miss the new things that God's doing all around us because we're just so laser focused on our expectations. Uh, this happens with Peter and Paul, uh, the Peter, and, Peter and the apostles. They're sitting around a table and they're being told what they can and can't talk about in public. The folks, um, the folks who were over them were expecting certain things from Peter and the apostles, and they're like, "We just, we just can't make this happen. Like this, just we can't be perfect." right now. A similar moment happened for the midwives when their boss told them to let the baby boys live. Deep down in their stomach, they just like, it didn't feel right. It wasn't what they could do. And both of these moments in scripture came with an invitation from God to do something more excellent, to live a more excellent life. And that invitation is offered to us too. The invitation is to to not do what is expected, but do what brings healing and God's new day. At the heart of the message, do what's expected, is this belief in something that just isn't true. See, doing what is expected assumes that everything will just keep on going along as normal. Everything will go back to being perfect, right? It'll be perfect if you just do it our way, if you just do it the way that you think. There will be no more chaos, no more uncertainty, no more change. Everything will be perfect and fine and tidy and in place. There's no challenge. There's no change. Just do what we 
Just do what we say, Peter. Stop telling people about Jesus and everything can go back to being perfect. Just don't let the baby boys live and I can continue to have this perfect kingdom that I've dreamed of my whole life. And yet, both everybody recognizes at the table this doesn't recognize the invitation that God has to a more excellent life. We know, just like the mid, excuse me, just like the midwives and Peter, we know deep down, right, in our gut when it is, when God is asking us to do something, when God is asking us to, to do something more perfect, you will have to ask yourselves, you'll find yourselves in, in moments where you're saying, what is expected of me? Is it, just, is it just what's always been expected? Is this just going to keep everything in my life and lives around the, peop- the lives of the people around me? Is everything just going to stay perfect? Or do I open myself up to God's more excellent way? Do I have to keep being perfect, do I have to keep everything together and tidy, or is God offering me something more excellent? Another message that they heard and that you'll hear too is say what people want to hear. And at the heart of this message is again the hope that we can just keep things tidy and perfect, following along on our perfect plan. Like, don't speak some truth to anything, right? We, we like the way that things are neatly working together. Let's just keep moving things along and keep everyone happy. And God knows that sometimes the way for us to experience new life, the way for us to experience that excellent thing that God has for us is because someone will speak truth to us and it will open up a breakthrough for us or for the people around us. God's invitation to excellence is speak the truth. I think it's important to speak the truth in love, but I think it's very important to seek truth. It'll free you up. It will free you up to live the excellent life that God has for you. And it may be an invitation for someone else to be freed up to experience that excellent life that God has for them too. Peter and the apostles told the truth. They looked at their superiors and they said, we're not going to tell you what you want to hear. We're not just going to say, okay, we won't talk about it anymore. Instead, we're going to tell you. Jesus died, he rose again, and he offered healing to us and to the whole world. And that's what we have to do. That's what we're going to have to do. Now, Peter, a couple of chapters later, can't figure out if this actually means it to the whole world. But in that moment, he knew that God's excellent invitation meant he's sharing the love of Jesus and the healing of Jesus with everybody in the world. And if I'm honest with you all, when I, when I felt like God was saying, speak the truth, speak the truth, speak the truth, this was the hardest thing of this week was the midwives didn't tell the truth. They said these women are too... They, they're like too vigorous, they're too strong, they're having birth before we even get here. And, and I heard God say to me this week, was it really a fib, Erica? Was that really a story? Because they began to speak a truth over those Hebrew women. Did y'all read verse 20? The Hebrew people became strong and multiplied because the Hebrew women were strong. They, they spoke a truth over those women. They didn't, they didn't lie to the, the king of Egypt. They spoke a truth over the women's lives that were Hebrew. So the same, they said they, they work hard, they're vigorous, they're the most amazing women we've ever met, and they went on to, to lead a nation. We miss this part in the story because we talk about Moses. We don't realize that there were two people bringing in, like literally ushering in new life and speaking a truth over women in that, in that area. So I'm asking, I'm asking you this morning, what does it look like for you to speak truth? What does it look like for you to stop saying what everybody wants you to say and, and what does it look like to let go of all that perfect things you want to hold on to so tightly? And what does it look like for you to speak the truth in love this week? Look what it did.
for the Hebrew women. Look what it did for the movement of Jesus because Peter and Paul said, this is, this is what we want to do. Imagine what you might be able to do if you began to speak the truth. You may open something up really excellent in your own life or in the life of someone else. Another message that the people of God have heard for thousands of years is strive to be perfectly safe. This is my favorite message. It's the message I love. I like to be safe. I like everything to be predictable and comfortable around me. And the heart of this message convinces us that if we control everything around us, then we will eventually be perfectly safe. This message is plain out just not the truth. Of all the messages of these messages, these have, this one has the least amount of truth in it. Because God's excellent invitation helps you to recognize that putting all these perfect little boundaries around yourself does not free you up for the excellent things God is doing all around you and in the world. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I, I need com my, like, comfortable, like, things around me. I need to make sure my kids are eating exactly what they're supposed to and following their routine. And something bounces us off and, and everything goes crazy. But... God is saying to us, God's excellent invitation is stop putting all these things in your life to keep you perfectly safe. And instead, what does it look like for us to trust God? Before Paul or the midwives, uh, before Peter or the midwives sat down in front of their bosses, they were just like you and I. They were striving to be perfectly safe. Peter denied Jesus three times before he was crucified, like to keep his, to keep his life safe. He wanted everything in his life to be safe. He just wanted to be a bystander in the crowd. These women just wanted to go to work and do their jobs. And instead, they find themselves with the sweaty palms. Anybody had that? The, the jittery nerves, the shaking voice, the dry mouth. The, maybe it's just me. It feels like that all the time. But the, these rumbling bellies, like something just isn't right, right? Like we know things aren't safe. These people of God wanted nothing more than for those feelings to go away. But God kept saying, trust me, I have something better for you. I have something more excellent for you. Just trust. So the midwives and Peter and the apostles and Bobby Lane and Chris Allen and Whitney Brewer and the Dupree's, all these people keep saying, you know what? We're just going to keep pushing through and trust for God's excellent way. They encountered a moment in their lives when the sweaty palms and the jittery nerves were not a match for their trust and faith in God. What does it look like for you today to let go of some of those perfect boundaries, perfect things you have all around your life? What does it look like to slowly let them go and begin to trust in God? This, this morning, um, there are some warriors among us who have chosen every day to let go of perfect expectations, whether they wanted to or not, so that they may experience God's excellent way. There are moms and grandmas and aunts and expectant moms and single moms and adoptive moms and waiting to be adoptive moms and waiting to be moms in general right here with us this morning. Chris and Camille are going to come up and they're going to help us offer a prayer for all of those folks who have had to let go of perfect and have shown God's excellent love. Camille's going to play under us.
those who welcomed their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badges of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things we don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who long to be mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed it would be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on this complex path. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those placed children up for adoption, we commend your selflessness. Remember how you hold that child in your heart. To those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. To those who are a grandmother, thank you for your love. To those who have loved with your whole heart as aunt, we recognize that you play a very special role, and we are all better because of you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Loving others is not for the faint of heart. We have real warriors in our midst. We remember you, we honor you, and we thank God for you. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the many invitations you give for us to let go of being perfect. Give us strength, trust, and faith that we may trust you deeper. 